I want to talk to you today about interruptions, interruptions. How many of you like interruptions? Nobody. I got some friends on this day. This is the amen corner. They have to do everything. They got to, they got to lead worship. They got to take notes. They've got to amen. Um, you're going to have to take the offering later. We each were the offering, so we'll just take it from each other. Uh, it's going to be an awesome day. You may have to run a camera. Uh, you may have to run sound, you know, whatever the request, the answer is yes. That's, that's what we do around here. Um, you know, I was thinking about this Easter and how it's, it's really not so different from the first Easter. Um, so many thousands of years ago, if you think about it, um, there's a lot of uncertainty and we're living in some uncertain times. Um, the people were scattered because Jesus had died and they didn't know what was going on. The people were scattered and they were in their homes. And once again, we are uncertain about the times. Um, we are not gathering, but we have scattered into our homes. But you know what I also think about that first Easter is that something so supernatural took place that it forever marked human history, and it's called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I'm just believing today that maybe God would repeat a supernatural act in that something so supernatural would happen in your life and around the world that it would mark human history. I believe that we'll look back and tell our grandkids about the Easter when God did that. And I'm believing it can happen in your life today. I'm believing that God wants to do something immeasurably more than you can dream or imagine. And, and that maybe you think that you stumbled upon this moment and this service, or you just thought that Easter is something you should do, so you at least should log in from home. But I'm believing that it's a divine interruption. You know, we've been interrupted a lot lately, right? I'm not a big fan of interruptions. How many of you, you play at home, all right? Play along at home. You, you hate being interrupted when you're talking. Anybody up here, you hate being interrupted when you're talking? Yes. Um, I'm sometimes the culprit of the interruptions, I will admit. Um, but we also have four children in the Floyd Circus. And so there's a lot of interruption. Come on, parents, give me a yes, yes in the chat room. There's a lot of interruptions happening in our house. And you know what? A little interruption isn't that bad, right? Like a little inconvenience, a little bit of someone in the checkout line in front of you taking their time. It's not a big deal, right? Um, it's when it goes for an extended period of time. Anybody with me? Like right now, all we can do is drive through. Hello. And, and I'm going to talk about Chick-fil-A and I, you can't get it today. So I'm sorry I did that to you. Um, but how many of you, this is, this is the scenario in my vehicle. We pull up, up and I'm like, what do y'all want to order? And it's like, um, like we're looking at the menu. Like, I'm like, it's Chick-fil-A. It hadn't changed. They serve chicken and waffle fries. That's it. That's all they serve. Chicken waffle fries. The only new thing is kale salad. And we're not ordering that. We never have. Like we're, we're just getting chicken. Come on, people. Just give me the order because I have this, I feel the pressure behind me, the whole line behind me. I'm like, they're all hating me right now. Right. And I only know this because I do this when cars in front of me do this. I'm like, why are you here? Why do you exist? Why don't you just go through the line faster? Right. I hate interruptions, but here's, here's what is the worst. It's when you have an interruption that seems to have no ending. And this is what is happening on Easter Sunday for all those who had followed Jesus. There was this life-altering interruption that seemed to have no ending. I want to read to you in Luke 24, verse 1 through 8 says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb 
They took spices because they were going to complete the burial of Jesus' body. It got interrupted by the Sabbath and they couldn't do that work on the Sabbath so they were going to finish his burial. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood before them, two angels. And in their fright, they they were a little freaked out by this, you and I would be as well. The women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, this is a great question, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here, he is risen. Then the angel said to them, remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. I want us to rewind a little bit. Think about where the disciples, where these women, where the followers of Jesus, these thousands of individuals, think about where they must have been mentally, emotionally in the moment when he died. Friday had come. Friday was a day of death. It, it was a day of despair. It was a day of chaos. The Bible tells us that, that it was darkness over the land in the middle of the day, darkness in the Middle East and, and chaos and clouds and death and Jesus is hanging on the cross and Jesus dies. And you've got to understand that, that death of Jesus wasn't just the death of a friend. It wasn't just the death of an individual. It wasn't just the death of a great leader or an incredible teacher or one who performed miracles. It wasn't just the death of that. It was the death of hope. And it was the death of destiny. And it was the death of a better future, a better tomorrow. See, the Jewish people believed that that Jesus would come, the Messiah would come, and that he would set up a government rule, that he would rule over the land, and they believed that, that he would establish a kingdom on earth, but he didn't. He came as a servant. And that's why many didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah, because they were waiting for someone to overthrow Rome. But he came as a servant, and these that had followed him believed that he was the Messiah, and now he's dead. And, and I wonder if you've been there in your life, if you've had a Friday moment, where the death of something occurred, the death of hope for your marriage, the death of joy in your life, the death of a better tomorrow, what felt like the death of a greater destiny in your life. This is where the disciples are and these women are. It's Friday and it's, it's over. What are we going to do now? We banked our life on this guy. We quit our jobs to follow this man. We, we really thought this was it. We, we pushed all the chips to the center of the table and thought this was it. And now their life was completely interrupted, turned upside down, disrupted. And if I had to guess in this season, you have felt the interruption of life, right? Some of you have felt it on a very deep level. You have lost someone to the virus and life has been interrupted and Some of you, you've lost a job because of it. Six weeks ago, you never would have thought, you thought you'd work there as long as you want, and now you're worried about how do I pay the bills and the mortgage and the rent, the car payment, what am I gonna do? Life's been interrupted in a major way. 
For some of you, life has been interrupted because you've been forced into confinements with people and you've been forced to address issues that you've never addressed and have always been swept under the carpet and now things are rising to the surface and anger is boiling and tensions are high and you don't even know if you want to be married anymore. Life has been interrupted, disrupted. It's Friday. It's chaos. The clouds are hanging and looming. And then there's Saturday. And Saturday was a day of waiting. Some have called it appropriately the silence of Saturday. The silence of Saturday can be deafening. When you feel like God isn't speaking, when you're crying out, God, do something, God, God, work on my behalf, and all you hear back is, nothing? Really, God, this is it? You're just waiting? You feel stuck? You feel like God has put you in timeout and refuses to come talk to you? God, where are you in the middle of this? God, what is happening? And you just feel the silence of Saturday, the deafening silence of what Saturday was. This is where they had been. This is the reality they were living in, that, that, that what they had put their hope and trust in was dead. And now Saturday was a day of just waiting. And what do we do now? And what's gonna happen now? And I just believe that for some of you, you're in a moment of waiting you're in a season of waiting in your life and you're asking the same questions. God, why aren't you speaking to me? And you're crying out and you're praying and you're asking, but you're hearing nothing in return. And I just want you to know today is that waiting isn't wasted when God is involved. That some of you feel like this season is such a waste. What a waste. What a waste in this area and what a waste in that area and what a waste. And I just want you to know that nothing is wasted when God is involved, when you invite God into the equation, and for some of you, some of you, you've pushed God out of the equation, and so yes, it is a wasted season, but when God is involved, he has a way of redeeming everything. The Bible says that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, of those who invite him into their process, into the journey, those who don't push against him, but lean into him. It's not wasted in the waiting periods of your life if you invite God in. And here's what's interesting to me, is that on Friday they saw Jesus die, on Saturday they're waiting, Sunday they went to the tomb to finish the preparation of burial of his body, which tells me that they had no faith to believe that they would find an empty tomb. That they were not going there believing that there was going to be a resurrection. They were going there to perpetuate death. They were going there to embalm death. And for some of you on this resurrection Sunday, you, you are in a waiting season because your, your words and your perspective is just perpetuating the death of the thing. And, and I just hope today that a little bit of faith would begin to rise up in your heart, just a little bit, just even if it's a small amount that would go, no, maybe God can resurrect. If he can bring Jesus back from the dead, maybe that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead could impact my life and resurrect the dead things in my life and maybe turn this season of waiting into a season of something great in my life. See, what the disciples and these women and those who were followers of Jesus didn't know and couldn't see is that the same God 
who had hung on the cross, the God-man, Jesus. That the one, the Bible says, who ascended into heaven also descended into the depths of the earth. And he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And so while they were waiting, God was working. And here's what I want to say to you today, is that while you've been waiting, although you may not be able to see it, although you may just see a big stone over a tomb, all you may be able to see is the dark clouds hanging over your life and death all around you, while you are waiting, I want you to know the God of the universe is always working on your behalf, and today he is working on your behalf, that, that I don't believe you are joining us in gathering today by chance. It's not by accident that you're in this moment. It's because the God of the universe has been orchestrating a moment to get your attention. And I'm not saying it's not in my theology to believe that God sent this virus, but I believe God can use everything in our life for his glory. And like a plow would till a hard ground of a farm. I wonder if God hasn't used this season to soften something in your heart. I believe some of you are you're asking questions you've never asked before. Or maybe you haven't asked in a long time. Some of you are thinking about things you haven't thought about before, like what really matters in life. Some of your priorities are readjusting for you. Some of you, you're, you're beginning to realize that the family is more important than how many hours you can work and how many promotions you can get. It's all great, but you're just reprioritizing some things. I believe that some of you are beginning to think about your life, about its meaning. Think about eternity. Thinking about what is on the other side of the grave. And I personally don't think that this is the moment Jesus is returning. He could at any moment. The Bible seems to tell us that it'll be a moment of prosperity. And this doesn't seem to be that. But whether he's coming today or he's coming 10 years from now, the question remains, are you ready? Are you ready? And is God using a season of waiting to get your attention, to open your eyes to his great grace and mercy? I love this verse. It's found in 1 Corinthians 15. It says this, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, while he was in the grave and they were waiting, he was working. He was removing the sting of death. I don't have to worry about death. The Apostle Paul wrote it this way. For me to live is Christ and to die is an upgrade. He really said gain, but I think upgrade kind of communicates it a little better. I like upgrade a little better. He said, for me to live is Christ. If I get to live on the earth, for me to live is Christ. But for me to die, it is gain. It only gets better from here. Because Jesus in the grave removed the power of death and he removed the power of sin. I don't have to be controlled by all of my yesterdays. I can live in freedom in all of my todays and all of my tomorrows. So while you're waiting, God is working. And if you'll invite him in, the waiting doesn't have to be wasted. God can use it. Not only were they waiting, I don't know if you saw it in the text, but it says they were wondering. Not wandering like aimlessly around, but wondering. It says this, that when they looked into the tomb, they wondered about this. They wondered about this. They were like, 
What is up with this? I, I wonder what you've been wondering about in this season. What, this Easter Sunday, they, they were wondering. I don't, know, I don't know exactly what they were wondering about. I kind of think maybe they were wondering about everything that was happening. Like, what is going on? Like, you know, did they come to steal the body? Did, did, they, did somebody hijack the tomb? Like, did they, what is going on? I wonder, you know, there were all kinds of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, conspiracy, that's it, conspiracy theories. You know, some of you are, you got a little too much time on your hands. You're like all over the Facebook conspiracy, COVID conspiracy theories. <laughs> we love you. You're welcome. God bless you. But there's all kinds of conspiracy theories happening around, you know, the re- some, uh, the, the proper term is like the swoon theory that he really didn't die because they didn't have to break his legs. He just kind of faked his death. Then they got him off the cross. If you knew about crucifixion, that would be just ridiculous. The other one was that um, the disciples uh, stole his body and then um, they buried it somewhere else to make, them, make everybody believe the whole resurrection story. That's another conspiracy theory. But my only problem with that theory is this, is that if, if that is true, then why did all the disciples die? Some of them brutal deaths for a lie. Like most people won't die for the truth. I'm piecing out for a lie. You know, like I'm not going down and be like, hey, just kidding, we buried him over at his grandma's house. You know, like it's not really happening, but no, he really got out of the grave. I wonder what they were wondering about. Because Jesus was MIA. He was not to be found. And I wonder, I wonder in this season if you've wondered where he is. I wonder if you've been crying and praying and wondered, God, where are you? You seem MIA in my life right now. I'm, I'm going through some hard times and I can't seem to see you. I can't seem to find you. And some of us, we're, we're looking all over for so many things, right? They came looking for the body of Jesus. And the angel says to them, And I love this. He said, hey, um, why are you looking for the living among the dead? In other words, why are you in a graveyard? Only dead people are here. And I just want to ask you, why are you looking for Jesus in old dead things in your life? Or maybe I could say it this way. Why are you looking for contentment in a graveyard? Why, Why are you looking for purpose in a graveyard? Why, why are you looking for some kind of fulfillment and love and acceptance and affirmation from people that can never really fulfill you? Why are you roaming around a graveyard trying to find life? The angel said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? And so many of you have been looking for life. You've been looking for purpose and you've been looking for hope and you've been looking for joy and you've been looking for a peace that can pass understanding, but you're looking in the wrong places. You're looking in a graveyard where dead things are when you need to be looking for life and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And then he says to them, don't you remember What he said to you in Galilee, that he'd be turned over to the hands of sinful men, and then he'd be crucified, and then three days later he would rise again. And then it said, and then they remembered. The angel was kind of saying, don't you know who he is? Like, you were with him for three years. Don't you know who he is? Didn't you hear all the teachings? Didn't you see all the miracles? Didn't you watch... All that, the Bible says that there was too many teachings by the person of Jesus that volumes in the Bible couldn't handle it. So they got even more than we did and they didn't believe. They didn't come with an expectation. He's saying, don't, don't you remember 
who he is because who he is is what he does. Who he is is what he does. And for some of you today, you need to be introduced to Jesus. You need to be introduced to him. Some of, some of you, you need to be introduced to him for the very first time. Because some of you, the introduction you've had to Jesus is that he's some archaic historical figure from years ago, but he has no input into my life in this moment, in this day. For some of you, Jesus is a religious figure that is just waiting to judge you for all the bad things that you've done in this life, and you need to be introduced to who this Jesus really is. For some of you, he's a nice little caricature that you saw in Sunday school on a flannel graph. Come on, somebody. If you know flannel graph, give me an amen right now. And no, no I'm talking about flannel graph. You got to be old school church to know flannel graph. And that's all you know of Jesus. For some of you, he's a far off God that isn't really concerned about the affairs. He kind of started the globe spinning and he checked out ever since. And some of you, you've been knowing about Jesus, but you need to be introduced to who he is. Can I tell you who he is? Number one is, is he's a healer. He's a healer. The Bible says in Matthew 4 that Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news spread about him all over Syria and people brought to him all who were, who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with pain, demon possession, seizures, paralyzed, and he healed them. He didn't, just, he didn't just heal those who were coming with a physical issue, but he has the power to heal the emotional issues of your life, the mental issues of your life. He has the ability to heal you from the inside out. He is a healer. It's not something he did years ago, but he's still active in the earth today, in the world today, healing people. Not only is he a healer, but he's a provider. He's a provider, and some of you, you need to know that right now in this moment. You need to know that Jesus is a provider, that your savings account, you should have one. It's a good time to have margin. It's not your provider, though. Your employer isn't your provider, but ultimately, God is your provider. The Bible says this. He says in Matthew 6, he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. He's, man, this is so appropriate for the moment we live in. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Aren't there some things that are more important in life? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, let your, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asked this question, are you not much more than they are? And here's the rhetorical answer. Yes, you are. You are more than them. The Bible says that if God wouldn't spare Jesus, how will he not with Jesus get, lovingly give us all things? So he's your provider. You've got to know that about this Jesus. He's a healer and he's a provider. Not only that, but he's a good shepherd. And that may not mean a whole lot to you in 21st century America, but man, it meant everything in these people in the time of the Bible. They understood the shepherd. They understood the role of the shepherd. They understood the shepherd, the integrity he had to have, the care he had to have for his sheep, the love that he had to have. They understood that sheep would learn the voice of the shepherd and the shepherd would never lead them to bad places, only to fresh green pastures if they followed the shepherd. 
The Bible says this in Matthew 18. He says, what do you think if a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills to go look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Same way, in the same way. Your father, Jesus, he's just like a shepherd. And if you've wandered off, I just want to say to you today that the shepherd isn't back at the camp mad at you. He's out looking for you. Matter of fact, he left the 99 and said, they're good. I've got to go get that one that is not good. He's not mad at you. He's not coming back to get you and beat you up. He's coming back and he's going to be happier that he found the one. And today, I believe that some of you are gathering with us in this moment because the shepherd has been looking for you. The shepherd has been searching for you. And the shepherd is coming to find you with all the grace and the mercy in his heart. Not only is he a good shepherd, but he's king. He's king. John 13, 3 says this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus isn't some mild-mannered, weak individual that got overtaken by a Roman government and crucified at the will of the Jewish people. No, he is a king that intentionally disrobed himself, left all the accoutrements of heaven, stepped down onto this mud ball called earth and took on the form of human flesh and took on the robe of a servant and put a towel over his arm because the king lowered himself willingly. No one put him on the cross. He willingly went to the cross. He willingly stayed on the cross. He willingly died on the cross for the sake of humanity. He is king. Don't get it mixed up. Don't be confused. Because he went to a cross, don't think that he still doesn't wear a crown. Don't think that because he became lowly that he's not exalted high. He sits on the throne and looks over all creation. The world and the universe become the footstool on which he can rest his feet. All of the oceans of the earth rest in the dot in the palm of his hand. He is great and he is powerful and he is mighty and he is Lord over lords and he is king over all kings. He is king and he is in control. He is in control of your life. He is in control of the affairs of your life. And he's mighty. He is well able to do exceedingly abundantly and above. Anything you could ask or imagine because he's king. This is Jesus. But not only that, he is resurrection. Don't Confuse what I said. He resurrected, but he is resurrection. The only reason he got up out of the grave is because he is resurrection. It wasn't an event that happened in his life. It is the very essence of who he is. And we see this in the story with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus has died, their friend. And Jesus shows up on the scene in John chapter 11. And Mary says to him, or Martha says, 
he has this interaction with Martha, Martha and he said to her, your brother's gonna rise again, Martha. And she replied to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, resurrection isn't an event, it is a person. It is the person of Jesus, which means that resurrection wasn't something that was exclusively set aside for Easter Sunday thousands of years ago. It is something that happens every day in the life of the believer. Whenever they invite Jesus into their life, resurrection power comes into their life. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, though this flesh, this body may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Wait, you just said will die. Then you say will never die. It's because there is a part of every one of you that's going to live for forever. Every one of us will live forever somewhere. Every one of us will live forever somewhere. And the where is up to you. The where is up to you. He said, if you believe in me, then you're going to live. You're going to have life. In other words, you're going to have an eternity in heaven with Jesus. And the contrast of this text is this. If you do not believe, then you live forever somewhere as well but you live forever in a place of death. A place created for the devil and his demons, never created for you or me. Never created for you or for me, but our choice determines where we live for forever. You know, I asked the question earlier, are you ready? Whether Jesus comes back now or he comes back Decades from now, it's irrelevant. The relevant question is, are you ready? Are you ready? And I want to tell you how you can be ready. I'm going to tell you how you can know, how you can have confidence that heaven is your home. The Bible tells us this, that we've all sinned and it's not meant to condemn you. It's just the reality of all of our lives. We've all blown it. We've all sinned in some way, some area. And it says that the wages of sin is death. It's the death I was talking about. It's an eternal separation from God. It's eternal separation from a loving God in a real place called hell. That isn't meant to scare you. It's just, I feel like I have to tell you the truth. And it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. And it's found in Jesus Christ alone. It's not found in in your good works. It's not found in your church attendance. It isn't found in, oh, I was confirmed or uh, took communion or um, I, I got baptized at Vacation Bible School once or I memorized a bunch of scripture. It's not found in any of that. It's found in Christ alone. It's faith alone in Christ alone. 
It's, it's not faith in my good works. And I've learned for me that my good works will never be enough. And it's, it's not faith in any religious ritual or activity I've participated in because even though I do that, I have to keep returning to it. It's found in Jesus alone. The Bible said he died once for all. He paid the price once for everybody. He interrupted heaven and he interrupted earth to bring salvation to you. And could it be that the interruption of this season of life has been to get your attention, to ask you the same question Jesus asked Martha, Martha, do you believe? And that's what I ask you today. Do you believe? Do you believe? Are you ready? Are you ready if you were to breathe your last breath on this side of eternity? Are you prepared for the other side of eternity? See, Jesus just doesn't give us eternal life later, but I want to tell you, kind of a part of the package is he gives us a better life now. Because when Jesus is first, everything is better. I didn't say everything was easy. I just said it's better. See, here's the reality. For the believer in Jesus, this earth, it's as bad as it'll ever get in our lives. If, if COVID keeps us locked up in our rooms until 2021, it's as bad as it's ever gonna get in our life. If the stock market drops 50%, bad as it'll ever get in our life. Because for me to live as Christ and to die, it only gets better. But for those who don't need Jesus, if you haven't accepted him as your savior, this earth, it's as good as it'll ever get in your life. Live it up. Because this is the best it's ever gonna get. Because what is on the other side of eternity is horrible. It is not an upgrade, it is a massive downgrade. But you get to choose. You get to choose, is this as good as it gets? Or is this as bad as it'll ever get? And is what's waiting for you on the other side of eternity a massive upgrade or a massive downgrade? You get to choose. And the Bible says the way we choose is that we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's by faith. And we simply confess that with our mouth. It's that easy. You don't have to be in a church building. You don't have to jump through some hoops. You just believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. The Bible says you will be saved. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. No matter where you're watching from, if you would, just in the moment, if you could just kind of still everything in your house, your kitchen, your apartment, wherever you are. I believe that God is speaking to so many of you today. And it's not my voice that has been speaking. It's the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And you know that you're not ready. You know that you don't have the confidence that heaven is your home. And today, the Spirit of God has interrupted your life to bring you the message of hope and forgiveness. And if that's you today, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but if you mean it from your heart to God's heart, 
We're simply gonna tell God we believe in our heart. We're gonna confess it with our mouth. So I want you to pray that with me right there, wherever you're watching from. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. I make you my Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. And I thank you on this Easter Sunday that I have a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also wanna encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LifePoint to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.